Mana 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 this is social disgusting welcome to social disgusting a podcast where my guests and i discuss our lives amidst the wanton hellscape in which we find ourselves i am brandon aka brandon hope you're well my guest is a stand-up comedian whose Comedy Central stand-up presents half-hour special aired in 2019, as well as the titular star of the Amazon Prime sketch show, Quizala, and co-host of the podcast, Who Cares About the Rock Hall. Please welcome the very funny Joe Quizala. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me, Brandon. Absolutely. Thank you for being on again. I really appreciate it. Of course. So, the very loaded question of, how are you? Yeah, hit me with it, baby. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? You know what? I, I I think my answer to that is I am fortunate to be healthy and well. And, you know, my, my life, as many people, have, uh, my life has changed, uh, you know, in the past few months. But I'm very lucky to be able to maintain a reasonably sane uh, existence, uh, <laughs> you know, with, <laughs> with my health physically and, and mentally. So yeah, that's my answer. <laughs> it's funny. It's a like I said. It, it's a tough. It's a tough question mm-hmm. to answer. So I mean, first of all, well done. That's a very good answer. And it. and also synced. It's a synced because for me, it can just right. could be a lot of pauses and a lot of sighs. Uh-huh. Easy question to ask. Hell of a one to answer. Right, because th- there's also this underlying thing which I didn't touch on, but like I am fine, but like I am not happy about our uh, country or world. Yes. You know, so that's, there's that. So you don't want to be like, I'm good. Like, there's obviously things that uh, give me anxiety, but uh, I am lucky that I'm able to uh, continue my my life in a way that isn't uh, crushing me. <laughs> it also, that added element of, you know, I'm doing pretty good, but knowing still deeply imperfect, but could have it so much mm-hmm. worse than so many other people. Yes. But also still, there's so many things to process in this world, in mm-hmm. this country, in so many, in subsets of subsets within whatever state you're in, you know, each person's in. It's so much. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I know you have their podcast. Like I said, it's about mm-hmm. the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yes. W- what is it that you've been fascinated about or that you're fascinated by it? Yeah, you know, it's a combination of just like I, my father is from Cleveland, so we would. Uh, like my grandparents and my like aunts and uncles and stuff lived in Cleveland. So we would go there relatively frequently and we would go to the museum of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame mm-hmm. like once a year when I was like a teenager. So there's that like the proximity to it. And like when I was going in like the year 2000 or whatever, like that's the first time I went. Uh, Wikipedia wasn't really a thing so you could yeah. actually go and like really learn a lot about the history of rock and roll like it, it was more of a resource I have went recently and it's still kind of a, a cool place but I think there there's that that's an element to it there's also I got really into classic rock radio around that same time when I was like 13 or whatever mm-hmm. and that kind of coincided and this is a whole other story but I, I uh, started to figure out how to win contests like call in radio contests okay I, I got very good at it um and that like so it was like this uh snake eating its own tail of like i was really into knowing a lot about classic rock and having more like trivia in the back of my mind allowed me to win more of these contests and i wanted to win more contests so then i'd learn more trivia and then it just <laughs> kind of you know it, it made that cycle and uh, there was a genuine interest there, though. So, like, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is an extension of that. And also, I think, like, maybe the third piece of this 
mystery puzzle is that I am weirdly into lists and, uh, yes. you know, like award ceremonies, uh, weirdly, uh, growing up, I was into because that's almost like a competitive list. And, you know, even to this day, I, I was thinking about this, uh, after you asked me to do this podcast, cause I imagined it would come up the idea of like, how am I spending my time in yeah. quarantine? And one thing that is kind of weird about me that my some of my most of my friends maybe know about me but maybe a lot of them don't is that like i can get really lost online playing list based quizzes really yes so what uh, does that entail so like there's there's two websites in particular one is called sporkle and the other one is called hugequiz.com which sounds very <laughs> stupid but yeah. they what's it'll be like you know all the best picture winners and you you and they're all blank slots and then you you know you type in like Casablanca or you type yeah. in uh you know uh Slumdog Millionaire and then they pop up uh each time you type it in so you can see what you have left and what years you have left and there's something really satisfying about that like trying to uh and there's one for Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees and you know, okay. so you type in Beatles, Hendrix, you know the 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 Shirelles. Like you, you type in all these different. So there's something really satisfying about that, and like they can be like trying to get all the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees. It, it will take a long time, uh, sure. and usually these have a timer on them, like 20 minutes or something, if it's a big one. So it just eats up a lot of time. So it's like a to me like a perfect quarantine activity especially because I was doing it before quarantine. Uh, but now I feel like <laughs> yeah. a little bit of an excuse. It's not as embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm like, I'm like a big list guy and like the Rolling Stone magazine lists and like the VH1 lists. And you know, I love those. I love yeah. all of those. I love that stuff. Yeah. I love rankings like that is oh arbitrary God. to your point. I know that they're like, I know they're so arbitrary and like award shows and stuff. I know intellectually these things are arbitrary, Yes. but I love them. I know, me too. I, and, you know, I, especially when I was a little kid, it's like those lists yes. were a good primer for me to get into this stuff. Like, of course, it's not perfect, but like I could look at the list of the 100 greatest songs of rock and roll and then f seek them out and listen to them. Like it was a place to start or like the albums list. Those are good resources, especially for people who want to learn. And again, yes, they're not perfect, blah, blah, blah. But it, without that stuff... It can be difficult. Like when I was growing up in suburban Pittsburgh, I was never hearing the replacements on the radio, but like I learned about them through these lists and then I sought them out and they're like one of my favorite bands. Yeah, no, but I, that's, I can relate to that so much, especially like for whatever reason, the kind of like, to your point of like the list totem in my head, especially towards music has always been those Rolling Stone stones. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Rolling Stone magazine list, like, Greatest guitarists, greatest drummers, yeah. greatest albums, greatest songs, all of them, that stuff, I eat that stuff up so much. and It's really satisfying. <laughs> it really is. I, I don't know what it is. I guess it's just, I guess it's something that, to your point, as deeply imperfect as they are, it still is enough of a consensus that I can trust it yeah. to be close enough. Right. It's like as close as you can get to the elusive objective yes. list, right? Like if you have a bunch of different 
diverse uh, voices. And, you know, you could make an argument very easily that maybe Rolling Stone isn't pulling from as many diverse voices on sure. a number of levels. But if you're <laughs> pulling from that many voices and opinions, that is the closest you can get to having some sort of objectivity to it. And yeah. the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is like an evolving list, which is what's exciting about it to me is that it's alive. Like it's like a list of the greatest artists of all time, but new people are added every year. And there's a process of who's nominated, who's never been nominated, who's been nominated a bunch and never gotten in. Uh, and so it's like, who's going to be on this on this short list uh, for the next year? And then who from that list is going to get in? And then they're added to the the definitive you know hall the list yeah and to me that's like very uh it's like i can follow it like sports too because there's so many different things about it like you know you have to induct pearl jam which of the drummers do you include you know, that kind of thing <laughs> oh that's bad see that's funny i never yes i never thought about the rock hall through the prism of my list brain like that that's really and yeah that's where it, that I makes think, total sense that's where it comes from for me and you know i it's the best type of so the induction ceremonies to me are like what it's all about. And to it, those ceremonies are like the best version of a award show. It's an award show where every award is a lifetime achievement. Yes. You know, yeah. so it's not like you oh. have to pit uh, a song from this year against another song from this year and only one song will win and that other song will never win. Yes. It's, you know, there's like a lot of hope to it as well because you can be like, oh, why isn't Cool and the Gang in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? And you can go, yeah, that's weird, but maybe they will be. There's still hope. Yeah. So it's like a, a it's like one giant victory lap. Yeah, it's really cool. And like the way yeah. the, the concerts are set up uh, is it's, you know, they play like a really cool, maybe like three or four minute documentary package to get you hyped on the band then someone famous comes out to talk about how cool the band is and how important they are and then the band comes up and accepts the award and then they play their three or four best songs and then you start over with a new band i love that yeah i have seen several of them i know that hbo airs them now mm -hmm. yeah and they're they're great it's they're, a I lot mean, of fun to watch. They're very long, but yes. like they, yeah, they, I think it's, yeah, for me, it's like perfect. Put it on in the background. If you are like hanging out with your parents and you need something that is enjoyable, but not yeah. offensive that maybe they could enjoy as well. Uh, or it's a good, it's a, it's a perfect thing to watch in pieces too. Yeah, no, that makes absolute sense. And yeah, I hadn't thought about that before. It's all of the joy of an award show without anybody losing. Yeah, like not really. Like there's long-term snubs, but there's sure. always there's always hope that they can get in. You know, like the Zombies got in last year and they had been eligible for maybe 30 years. You know, and the, the uh, and I was at that induction ceremony and the Really? Uh, okay. Yeah, the keyboardist uh, and like one of the main guys behind the Zombies was like uh today it was is the 50th anniversary of Time of the Season going number 1. So like wow. it's it's a so it's funny it's like and the zombies were inducted the same year as Radiohead, who were <laughs> newly eligible. Yeah, you know, so like there can be there can be snubs, but there's always that hope that they can. And I and I'd like to think, and I guess time will tell, but that if you are worthy, eventually you will get in. Yeah, yeah, but you know, to your point that each year somebody some crop becomes eligible. Is it it? This is all memory. Is it that it's like the 
first time that they first released? Are you? What it's, is it? Twenty five yeah, years? Yeah, what is the, the eligibility? Is twenty five years after your first released recording? Okay. So it could okay. be an album, but it could also be a single, or, or it could be an EP or something like that. That's so interesting. Um, yeah, I like the long term eligibility of that. Just twenty five years. You've got to be. You got to be around. Yeah, you know, and you have to maintain some sort of relevance, and that I think the that year uh, period, like the twenty five year mark, I think is just long enough to be able to tell, like, okay, have they have they stuck around? Have they uh, made an impact? Yeah. So, I'm sure you've said this before, mm-hmm. but I am curious. What is the biggest snub to you, at least currently? Ooh, see, for the longest time, I used to say The Cure, but they got in last year. Okay. Uh, But The Hall has been very slow to catch up on that period, the, like, post-punk British bands. Yeah. Depeche Mode just got in this year, and The Smiths are still not in, and Joy Division New Order are still not in. I think those two are kind of high. I would maybe put Joy Division New Order as one of the biggest snubs. That's wild that, that that they're not in. Yeah, it, it's like it, for whatever reason, I think especially because the Rock Hall is a very American institution, mm-hmm. they've been slow to pick up on some artists that were way more popular in the UK. Like Roxy Music was just inducted last year. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So I, I th- there's like that kind of crop of uh, artists, and then there's artists like I mean, I mentioned Cool and the Gang. Uh, to me, when you look at their legacy, I think maybe a lot of people dismiss them because, you know, they did celebrate good times. Uh, but they, they have a lot of like monumental hits that people still know that are like major party songs, like like get down on it or ladies night or Hollywood swinging or summer madness. And, but I think what is really interesting about Cool and the Gang is that they are one of the most sampled artists in hip-hop. And the Rock Hall inducts hip-hop artists, and I think you have to look at the influence of Cool and the Gang on that uh, genre, in addition to being a seminal funk and soul group. Like, there are yeah. just so many songs that... And if you go to a website called whosampled.com, it's a really cool site. They show you, like, if you ever are listening to a song and you're like, what is this sampling? Mm-hmm. They, like, lay out, they lay out the whole thing. But you go and you look at who are the most sampled artists, and there's a lot of, you know, crossbreed, like, sampling other hip-hop artists. But of the, like, major r&b acts that are sampled it's like james brown it's michael jackson and then it's cool in the gang that's right there underneath and so i think that's a uh there's there's a case to be made for cool in the gang that makes i mean that makes absolute sense not i mean to your point not only in the actual the hits they had as a group but let alone the quite possibly even more yeah wide-spanning relevancy of the sampling and how generations have heard them and they might not even know it. Yeah, it, there's an undeniable influence and it, it can be tracked throughout the history of hip-hop. Wow, I'm, I feel like I'm extremely invested now in their, <laughs> hopefully in their future in the, in the Rock and Roll Hall. Yeah, and you know, someone who has been nominated a lot but still hasn't been able to get in is Shaka Khan. 
that is truly shocking to me. It is. That I was think, not a pun, actually. Now that I think about it, that is that <laughs> that is truly shocka conning to me. That is shocking to my con. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I think part of the problem is she is frequently nominated with her band Rufus. So okay. on the ballot, it says Rufus featuring Shaka Khan, and I think maybe if it was just her name, even though she's been nominated twice as just Shaka Khan, I think she'd have a better shot of getting in because I, th- I don't think people really know or recognize the importance of the band Rufus, but a lot of her best work was with that group. Okay. Yeah. No, okay. Well, at least there's something there as opposed to her just being completely shunned because she just seems undeniable. In yeah, the, the nominating committee is definitely pushing her and trying to get her in, but for whatever reason, the uh, voting body has not really caught up to it or has hopefully soon though because she's uh she's an undeniable force uh no i i agree and hopefully well shit hopefully they do too at this point but um i know this is not a subtle transition on any level (laughs) just let me so let me point that out and just go ahead and undermine myself Yeah, yeah exactly so uh i know you released november 14 2018 you released 31 videos in one day yes they are so funny and i know like so funny and that you use those you know for the pilot for uh the sketch Mm -hmm. show guazala which is on amazon prime like i mentioned and it's so funny but how long about how long did it take you to make those so it you know i had started to talk about it with the director daniel clark who directed all of them mm-hmm. uh and i started to talk to him about this concept at the beginning of 2018 like around january and i was writing stuff and i was sending him scripts and then we met in february to really like okay let's do this how many will we well, you know because at first i was just like i want to release a bunch of videos and then we started to figure out okay what would the plan be here how many would we do and how would we do it and then we started shooting in april by then i had enough scripts but i was still i was still writing new stuff as we were shooting mm-hmm. but we started shooting in april kind of on the weekends and whenever we could find time because we had we had jobs and you know it, it was I was touring doing stand up here and there too so whenever we could find some weekends we'd try to shoot a few and we shot until about August as I recall mm-hmm. and then we edited from there like right until we released in November that that's intense I mean yeah. th- a extre- I mean extremely aggressive just as a thing but let alone just the barrage of 31 videos released in a day. It's so many. I know. <laughs> was it, uh, was that part of the plan too, is to try to like package it into something yeah. after oh. that? Okay. I mean, it makes I, well, sense. Well, actually, actually, um, no, actually, in terms of the what happened with Amazon, not yeah. exactly. I mean, but we were, because there were a lot of things that just felt like it would be good to have all these videos and and one of them was we could maybe put them in sketch show format and then take it to like a festival which is what we did sure Uh, and we took it to a thing called series fest in denver which is a tv festival independent television festival so we did that and then after we did that we were like oh we could just take all these videos and find a way to put them into a tv show format and then, so that's that is kind of what we did. The first one that I saw was the tainted love video. Yeah, that's the most popular one. It is. I I sent it to a friend of mine the day I saw it, 
And we, it, it is so, it is so funny. And I remember seeing that. And the, is it the, fuck me. Is it the Charles Manson video or is it the, te- it's yeah. the Ted Bundy yeah, yeah, video? Yeah. I'm sorry. It was it's Charlie. Yeah. Okay. Charlie Manson. It's very, it's all very funny. Thank but you. But the thing that made me laugh so much in that video is just the, Thank you, the Beach Boys. <laughs> <laughs> and Thanks. Yeah, uh, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, that was one of the, I think that was maybe the second thing we shot. We shot that mm-hmm. on the first weekend of production. And we nearly didn't release it because it was just not working for so long. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, it's it, that it has proven to be a popular one. And I, I appreciate that you like it. Uh, we kind of lost faith in it, but I'm glad that we stuck with it and we... You know, obviously with a trailer uh, sketch, so much of it is in the editing. And I think yeah. once we kind of were able to finesse it, we got it to where it was going. But uh, yeah, that one was a difficult one because we also, yeah, like it was the first thing we shot. So we were still kind of figuring stuff out in terms of the production. I imagine, I mean, just the very nature of editing, I guess, especially like a trailer, maybe you just have to find it. Yeah, I think that's it because, uh, you know, obviously I wrote it with uh, you know in a script format for it to be a trailer you know with the idea of what the beats would be but you never really can figure out what you have until you start editing it that's really for especially for a trailer type sketch i think the but it kind of applies to all uh film i think is the editing is is really a stage of writing no i mean and, and it makes absolute sense and I would think too, just you know, to your point of like the the nature of just that specific trailer is too that it's small scenes with it already in a fairly short amount of time. Mm-hmm. So it's like really, it is truly like all about economy. Yes, and, you want to keep it moving. Yeah, and just hitting those beats, and then hitting also just the beats of what a trailer is in general too. Like that's tough, I imagine. Yeah, it is. And also like that it's supposed to be bad. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so when yeah. like you're shooting something and you know it has to be bad, it, it, it kind of goes against your instincts a little bit Yeah, uh, to be like, okay, I got to make sure that I'm acting r- real corny because that's what this has to be. And I have to make sure that the other actors who are, you know, who are really great, make sure that they're acting in a weird way as well. It's funny too. In movies, I always admire when an actor is having to play a bad actor. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine how difficult that is, especially when, to your point, it goes completely against your instincts of how to act. Right. And also, yeah, and I want to involve the people who I think are really talented and I I want to be in this video. (laughs) And I have to be like, okay, so kind of say it worse this time. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, love it. Love what you're doing, but too good. And be bad. (laughs) Too good, which is still a good performance, but we need (laughs) a good performance for what this is. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally it. <laughs> you had mentioned, too, that you're doing, well, you, the two websites for lists as far as, well, something you would be doing anyway, but certainly doing it now. What else are you doing during all this? Yeah, so, you know, I'm I'm very lucky to have a uh, lovely girlfriend who uh, lives about a mile or so away from me, and so mm-hmm. I walk over there or walk back every day. And so that not only gives me some needed exercise, but also I get to uh, spend time with a person who is really great. <laughs> um, that helps. Yeah. So, like, you know, I'll, I'll go over there and we'll we'll make dinner and then we'll watch a, you know, TV show or movie. We got through all of Friday Night Lights recently 
And that's had you really, seen it before? No, had never seen it. Uh, we really, really loved it. Um, and we've one of our movie projects that we started maybe in April. Okay. And this happened coincidentally, in that, and we're rolling with it. So we watched the movie uh, Hudsucker Proxy, and then we watched the movie Reality Bites. And we okay. didn't really like either of them, but we noticed that uh, John Mahoney is in both of them. Yes. And so we said, okay, why don't we watch all of John Mahoney's movies? I love that so much. That is... <laughs> what a... What is... I like... That's a delightful specific. Yeah. So, so we... So I wrote them all out. And... Let's say... I, the two I can remember, by the way, like off the top of my yes. head, outside of those, are he was in... Well, Say Anything. Yes. But he was also in the movie Striking Distance. Yes. Yeah. So we've watched Say Anything, but we haven't watched Striking Distance yet. Okay. I saw uh, that in the theater. Enjoy... <laughs> have fun with that one. <laughs> yeah i mean the thing is it's because it, it's so it's different than watching like if you're doing like a brad pitt movie marathon yes because mahoney is a supporting actor you know like extraordinaire yes he is in a bunch of movies and sometimes he has one scene or sometimes he is just showing up he's always good by the way we we've hated a lot of these movies but he always delivers a great performance I don't doubt it. He's great. So what what we've watched so far is we've watched his first movie. He has a scene in the Chuck Norris movie Code of Silence, <laughs> uh, which was surprisingly for a Chuck Norris movie. It was surprisingly like fun and like not not too crazy. Yeah. Uh, the movie Moonstruck with Cher. He's very good. In. Okay. I didn't, I didn't forgot he was in that. There's a Harrison Ford uh, Roman Polanski movie. Uh, that was shot in France called Frantic and Harrison Ford and John Mahoney are the only American actors, but there's a bunch of French people in it. Uh, I almost watched that the other day. <laughs> what's like, that? You almost watched it? Yeah. I was just like, oh yeah, I haven't seen this in a long, long time. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's kind of slow. It almost feels like a 60s era Hitchcock movie in its okay. like, pacing. But the, you know, there's there's things about that that are that's not the worst thing. Um, sure. The worst thing is Roman Polanski. Um, yeah. okay. <laughs> we watched yeah. Say Anything. We watched a uh, Sean Connery, Michelle Pfeiffer movie called The Russia House, which I thought was very boring. Okay. Uh, the best movie I think that we watched is Barton Fink, the Coen Brothers movie. Yes. Which is real, real good. We watched In the Line of Fire, which is a Clint Eastwood movie where John Malkovich has a really good performance as a, an assassin. My favorite part in that movie is where he's playing the kind of hippie guy and he's like rocking back and yes. forth on a corner. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I don't know what <laughs> he's doing in that scene. You know, what What he thinks that character is, but just the fact that it's John Malkovich is doing it, it's yes. it's it's a very arresting visual in a weird yeah, way. Yeah, Malkovich is, whenever he's on screen with anything, he's always just, he, he's very magnetic. He's not boring. No. Uh, we watched Primal <laughs> Fear, the Richard yeah. Gere, Edward Norton movie. Yes. Uh, man, the, I think the worst one we've watched is... An, one of, you're familiar with the filmmaker Ed Burns? Oh, yeah. So we watched oh, She's the One. Yes. Oh, boy. That, that, was a, <laughs> that was a rough one to get through. Yeah, um, I, um, I've seen that. I can't... Um, can't imagine how yeah how that ages no it's uh, it's not good and also there's it's like the because i was reading about ed burns's kind of trajectory which is that he made this movie really cheaply and it went to sundance and it was really uh received really well so then he got to make a movie with like a big budget mm-hmm. and he got to have like movie stars in it and cameron diaz and uh, uh jennifer aniston are in this yeah. movie but so is Ed Burns's girlfriend and Ed Burns's buddy, they like have the two biggest parts, and they are, <laughs> they just they're not good. And 
You know, yeah. Anna, this is this is 1996, so like Aniston and Cameron Diaz kind of have something to prove. So like they're like really great, and then the, these his buddy is the guy who plays Rod Serling in the Geico commercials. Oh yeah, okay, yes, I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> he always plays. He's just playing some an asshole. Yeah, he plays a huge asshole who's yeah. like really misogynistic and there's all these like 90s indie movie things of like where people they're just it's almost like tarantino like they're just kind of talking about stuff man <laughs> but it it has no subtlety and it's not interesting it's just like yeah why do you need a vibrator and it's like this sucks <laughs> yeah well yeah but to your point though yeah he i just remember this yeah he was working at, as like an assistant at at uh uh entertainment tonight and he made the brothers mcmullen yes that's exactly and that's what it. put him on the map right Yes, yes I remember. He, he cornered I remember, like Robert Redford. Yes, yes, and it was like a lot of people talking at each other. <sighs> yeah, I'm not. I listen. I'm not going to dig deep that's, into Ed Burns' filmography after she's the one. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then we've watched. Uh, surprisingly, I I actually really liked Dan in real life. I've I not was, seen that in a while. Yeah, I thought it was going to be you know kind of corny but it, the tone of it was like very pleasant i just i liked i liked something about it even though there you know it's not like a perfect movie but i liked being in that world uh and then a, a late period rob reiner movie which is mahoney's last movie uh, called flipped oh i don't even remember that yeah it's it's like a it's set in the 50s and it's about like a a, a young boy and girl like falling in okay love. okay it sucks <laughs> <laughs> but well, he's still got striking distance. No, he's um, <clears throat> he's great. He's like, I don't know for some reason he's like a an unsung Dennis Farina to me. Oh, you know, like p- people Dennis... that make things better. Yeah, but Farina had way more showier roles. Yeah, Farina is in Code of Silence, and he is still a cop. Apparently, he was still a cop when they filmed it. Okay, and his his presence is so great in that because he's you know just calling people smart guy. <laughs> you know, like um, just last year, I just for the first time, I don't know how I overlooked it, but I just saw Thief for the oh, first yeah. time. Oh yeah, and that's in the, famously he was like the consultant on the movie because yeah. he was a real Chicago cop, but then they gave him a, a role. Michael Mann gave him a role. Yeah, and and just from the bat, just he had it. Like he just he kind of like um. Arlie Ermery, you know, in uh, Full Metal Jacket, yeah, who was just there as an advisor, and then ended up had needed somebody to play the drill instructor, and it's just they, oh yeah, you know, like it's like kind of people maybe romanticize the idea of I'll just walk onto a set and become a star, <laughs> you know, but it's like oh yeah, well you still have to have it, right? Yes, and and it just so happens that they can authentically uh, deliver their reality. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think they also talk about it's kind of like um, you know, District 9 that the uh, guy who started in that, he wasn't an actor and he was just like, "Oh, well my friend who I worked with for a long time, well, he's going to direct it. So I'll just I'll just have my friend that I grew up with star in it and then yeah, it also helps that he just had the ability. Yeah, and um, the opposite of that is uh Ed Burns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the op- the opposite of that is uh is asshole Geico guy. Yes, yeah, for exactly. Sure. <laughs> Fully. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I it's funny. Well, talking about some of the movies that you mentioned, I'm like, oh, okay, I need to go back and watch this and this and this. And then there is absolutely me not saying any of that to any of Ed Burns' movies, which is, you know, no offense <laughs> to him, but 
they they are so so of that time. Yeah, it yeah, it it really sticks out. <laughs> you know, like Mahoney's calling his sons like uh Dor- Dorothy and like, call, like oh, that's your right. your sisters in the bathroom and he's talking about a guy and it's like, eh, I okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's like um it's almost like Mahoney got to say or either it's playing an extended version of the father and Fraser or the non-MBC censored version of that. Right. Yeah. The the less uh, subtle, uh, worse written version of yes. Marty Crane, for <laughs> sure. I um I was at this. I, I know we're gonna have to wrap up, but I I did watch some Fraser the other day for the first time in a while, uh-huh. and it's it's a really funny show. It's, it really holds yeah, up. Yeah, it's very it's very competently made. Like those yes. the guys who made that were experts at making sitcoms. One hundred percent, and it just goes to show too that, uh, you know, as much as not all—I mean, not not all sitcoms are created equal, but <laughs> you, but you, but you certainly get why why it's such a tried and true format because the ones that really work, they really, really work. Yeah, you know, and I, I bet Frasier holds up a little bit better than Seinfeld because it, it's yeah. you know. I here's another thing. So we we have been trying to like find little like the Mahoney movies. We did a similar one for TV, okay. which is that uh, we had for whatever reason my girlfriend and I sing the song uh, "Believe It or Not I'm Walking yes. on Air," the theme to Greatest American Hero. Yes, uh, around the house just kind of for no reason, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna look up. Every time this song was in a TV show, and we're gonna watch it, and so we there's that Seinfeld episode. I don't know if how Seinfeld uh, savvy you are, but there's an episode where George has that as his voicemail. Okay, yeah, he's like, believe it or not, George isn't at home. Uh, <laughs> it's whatever. But we watched the we watched the episode of Seinfeld, and it's like funny and like good, but it it there's parts of it that I don't think age well, mostly because of the I think the bass like the the is just constant it's between every scene but there is an element like Jerry Seinfeld's not a good actor and it's it's just a little a little over the top but for whatever reason I feel like Frasier earns being over the top and I think the acting is a little bit better so like you believe it I don't know yeah these are all my my wild theories about Seinfeld versus Frasier <laughs> a thing I've never thought about before <laughs> And also, they are very wild, and I definitely have to uh, put a warning for people before this episode, just to for the fear of you know your wild, controversial opinions on this. Yeah, I that know. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to have some things to say, which I don't know that I even believe. I'm just kind of like <laughs> thinking out loud because well, there's something about like the, I feel like the Fraser stuff is grounded because these like not just I think the actors in Seinfeld are very good specifically. Yeah, I think Julia Louis Dreyfus and Jason Alexander do a really good job, but they are all especially like Michael Richards and uh, Jason Alexander and a lot of them are very over the top. Extremely, which, yes. Which is, there's a place for that, but I, I, it doesn't hold up, I think, as well. Well, which is funny because when I'm thinking of Kelsey Grammer acting in Frasier in my head, it's just him yelling a lot now that I think yeah, about it. But he's very, but, he's, like, he's the react, he's the wild reactor to everyone else around him. Would you agree, though, that like he is taking it to 10, but he's not going over the top? No, see, no, I can, you're right. 
Like they're, they're going agree. to the extreme, but like they're somehow like him and David Hyde Pierce, they're keeping it. I don't know what they're doing, but the, it, there's some grounding of it that works and holds up, I think, a little bit better. I know exactly what you mean, and I agree. But when I was just thinking, <clears throat> excuse me, when I was just thinking about Kosi Grammar, though, and I don't know why I went here, but I did in my head. I thought, I know, I know (laughs) it went. I thought, and I know that this doesn't really exist anymore. The term in terms of uh, TV actor versus film actor, like that's not a difference. Like it used to be anyway. Yeah. It really used to be. Yeah. yeah, Majorly. Yeah. And and maybe that's in my head. Why why I'm thinking of this because Kelsey Grammer was in that era where you just didn't cross over. Mm -hmm. But what I just thought was, how did he play beast? In an X Man movie, because <laughs> that is just in and of itself so wild to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is. It is very silly, uh, and I, <laughs> I kind of love it. <laughs> I do too. No, I do too. But just the idea of it is truly wild. Of um, just the fact that this is a sentence you can say, and it's true. Do you remember when Kelsey Grammer played Beast in the <laughs> X Men movie? Now, are are you at all? Uh, do you know much about the X Men like comic books and that shit? No, I've seen the movies. Though. Yeah, see, this this is the thing. I brought this up to someone too, and they were, and it was someone who really has like a background of yeah. the comic books, and they were like, "Kelsey Grammer is like the perfect choice to play Beast." Okay, you know what? Because you know what? Fair enough. I think that character is supposed to be like very stately and like mm-hmm. very proper, and so they were like, "Oh yeah, that's like that's on the money." But the thing is, those movies aren't just for the people who read the comic books, so it is jarring yeah. for people like you and I yes. who are like, "Who oh, the fuck is Frazier playing this?" <laughs> blue animal yeah the greatest thing that could have ever happened to me though is if i didn't know he was in it then i saw the movie and then i was watching it and then i leaned over my friend and just say like is that is that kelsey grammar is that playing is he playing beast (laughs) (laughs) and i say that but still the funniest thing he's ever done is fall off a stage that that video is a thing of beauty it's the it's ma- it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I mean, God bless him. <laughs> I know, but the fact that he walked off a stage that was shaped like the United States, so technically he walked off the state of Texas and fell. I think technically into the Gulf of Mexico. <laughs> yeah, that's where that's where that. <laughs> Thanks, but he's talking about being a UN ambassador in "It's a Small World." Oh, good lord! Oh, good lord! <laughs> and it's I, I've never. I, it's one of the top. Probably top. If we're doing lists. Top five I've oh, probably ever laughed. Yeah, it's it's a it's a YouTube all star. It's incredible. Without question. Oh. Well, this is this is a good way to end as any. Um, can, can I quickly yeah. just say, just Absolutely. to kind of bring things full circle. Yes, please. So we were watching these, uh, believe it or not, uh T V shows, right? So mm-hmm. we watched an episode of The Goldbergs, we watched an episode of Everybody Hates Chris and Gilmore Girls, and uh we watched an episode of ER and yes. The main guest star on the Believe It or Not, I'm Walking on Air ER episode is John Mahoney. Oh, that's perfect. And we screamed because we had that no is, idea. And he that is up. truly perfect. That's incredible. And we were like, the simulation is glitching out. <laughs> What's sad is I was about to make a simulation joke. Yes. <laughs> ah, it is real and it gives. Uh, <laughs> uh, is there anything you, you want to plug before we wrap it up? Um, you know, I don't think so. My Twitter is at Joe K Joe K. If anything is going on, that's where I will be tweeting 
my podcast, Who Cares About the Rock Hall, you can certainly listen to. There's like a 100 or so episodes of that. We're kind of taking a break right now because the Rock Hall ceremony was pushed back and there's just kind yeah. of nothing to talk about. And we also just feel like for a uh, medium rock and roll that was uh exploited uh black people and was created by black people that maybe yeah. two white people don't need to be talking about it uh at this particular moment uh but you can you can listen to our old episodes and stuff if you feel like and i'm sure we'll come back at some point awesome thank you again for coming on oh absolutely i loved it thank you so much for having me i had a great time of course stay safe be well wear a mask whether your governor tells you to or not but please <laughs> Thank you again for listening and uh, stay safe. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.